So when he told me about the porch, I said, oh. and then he said it'd be another 1500 bucks. I said, well, okay, whatever. He said, it'll last another 100 years. <laughs> I said, well, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows, though, maybe if you're somehow the oldest person on the earth, you're like, yeah, that was a good investment. I'm glad I did that. All right, so uh, I guess uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, last week we watched the Ed Wynn show, and uh, I didn't realize what is probably the most famous thing Ed Wynn ever did, which is like rang some bells, or I'm like, oh, of course, that voice. He was the Mad Hatter in the old Disney cartoon of Alice in Wonderland. Really? Yeah, so that's where that voice, like, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to try one more time to do it. Hello, I'm Edwin. Fuck, I can't do it. But anyway, I mean, it's like, yeah, once I heard that, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, the Mad Hatter. Like, yeah, real character actor, that boy. Okay. So, so that's, uh, it's funny that that's probably his most famous thing and what would make him most recognizable. And we just completely missed that fact of his yeah, life. Yeah, see, people who would have been watching the Edwin show and the original Disney stuff, yeah, they would have made that connection. Yeah. But for us, yeah, we didn't even know who he was. Yeah, and I haven't seen that cartoon in a long time. Well, I knew he was Keenan Wynn's father. That's all I knew. Right. So we're still in the, it's still that weird period where technically this is that list of shows from the 40s that I found, but it is hard to find actual stuff from the 40s. So this actual episode is 1953. But again, I'm just picking names that I've heard. And this is the Jack Benny show. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's heard of Jack Benny. Yeah, I've heard of him, sure. But, I, like, that's it. I just saw enough so that when I see his name in a list, I'm like, oh, okay, I've heard that name. I don't know anything else about Jack Benny. Oh, he's pretty famous. I think you'll... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you didn't find something earlier than 53 for him. Well, I've got, uh, again, it's just a kind of whatever I can find online, although apparently a lot of his shows are in the public domain, but I didn't search super hard. He, but, again, uh, was one of those vaudevillian guys, started out in vaudeville, Yeah, was on radio, went to TV. That's what I was going to say, is this does seem very in line with what we've been watching so far. I feel like there's a pretty clear through line of the 1940s shows. And yeah, this dude, so I looked him up a little, and yeah, mainly radio. This guy is especially radio. He was tons of radio long before TV. So I'm going to run down a quick little uh, recap of his career and see if you notice the pattern. So he first appeared uh, as a guest of Ed Sullivan on the radio in 1932, and he did real well. So they made him host of the Canada Dry Ginger Ale program on radio. Then he became host of the Chevrolet program. Then he became host of the General Tire Review. Still on radio. Oh, still on radio. And yeah, it's like every show back then was just named after the sponsor. <laughs> like, that's like, so he, for like two years, he was just the host of all these sponsored shows. Finally, in 1934, he's starting to claw his way in there where it became, he became host of the Jello program starring Jack Benny. So it's still not the Jack Benny show, but he at least gets his name in the title. <laughs> so, Interesting. Yeah, fighting his way up there. After that, uh, the Grape Nuts Flakes program starring Jack Benny. <laughs> like, it's like hilarious. So they're all just, it's like they're all just advertising yeah. names. One sponsor for one entire show. By uh, 1944, he was up to the Lucky Strike program, starring Jack Benny. Here we go, cigarettes again. Yeah, so at least he still got his, uh, his fucking name in there. And then he eventually got the Jack Benny program that then became the Jack Benny show on TV around 1949 or 1950. So that's where we're catching up okay. with this dude. Well, if this is the same Jack Benny show that 
I would have seen as a kid, then then that went on for a long time. Oh, yeah. He was on a long time. And if you include that radio stuff before that, like 1932 and then 1950, he finally got on TV. He's covering at least a 20-year span in there. Yeah. And uh, so just a couple little tiny uh, tidbits I found where one thing that was kind of neat is the first black guy to have a recurring role in a national radio show. Uh, a guy named Eddie Anderson. Oh, okay. Um, on his TV show, he had a butler named Roscoe. Right. Now, whether Roscoe was Eddie, I don't know. Yeah, well, they were saying, so it, it was like a little weird where he is the first guy to give a black dude a recurring role on a radio show. But then they said, if you go back and listen, you know, he's the black guy on the radio show. It's not like super progressive. He's, you know, <laughs> he's probably just doing his stereotype black guy stuff. But... At least it gave the guy a prominent position. So, you know, it's 1930s and 40s. What do you fucking want, you know? Yeah, so then his TV show, the Jack Benny program, ran from 1950 to 1964. So we're coming in toward the start okay. with 1953. But what's kind of neat is, especially toward the end, he was he went between CBS and NBC, and he was butting heads with executives a lot. But, uh, you know, things were getting contentious. But the show never got unpopular. Like, it was still really high ratings all the way up to the end. He did, like, what Seinfeld did. He decided in 1964 to end the show while it was still really popular instead of the Ed Sullivan-style decline when they finally boot you off TV. So that's just kind of interesting, because, like, you don't hear about that a lot. Like, for my generation, it was very famous that Seinfeld did that, that he walked away from a show that was the number one show. So Jack Benny back in 1964, very similar. He's like, you know, obviously this is going fine. We could keep going, but I've been doing this my whole freaking life. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what happened to Jack Benny. Yeah, and then he, he didn't die till uh, I think, I looked it up, I, should, I didn't write it down. But he, he lived for quite a while after that, but, you know, he did stuff, but never as prominent. He had a reputation on a number of shows that he used to show up on as, uh, like, guest appearances and that kind of stuff. And he had a reputation for being cheap, incredibly cheap. You know, he could squeeze oil out of a nickel and stuff. And now there are always cracks made about him like that. Um, But apparently he, I don't know why he had that reputation, because apparently he was one of the most generous philanthropists around. Uh, He was always giving money away for here, there, and everything. But on these TV shows, he was always... And he played the part, too, of being really cheap and tight. And that was all part of the the image. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was just funny. You know, maybe he's just like, well, that's funny. Let's roll with it, you know? (laughs) Fuck it. Why fight it? (laughs) Why fight what works? Okay, well, let's move on because he's uh, he's a very famous guy, this one. He's he's, he's no Edwin. (laughs) Accident. Yeah, no, we're definitely, again, uh, that'll be like a little test. We'll see if we, are we ever going to watch another show as obscure as the Ed Wynn show? Maybe not. That might be the bottom of the barrel. Now, keep your eye open for the big suits. This will be big suit era. The big giant coats with the big wide pant legs. And this one is, uh, it's unfortunately pretty low quality. But uh, again, it's only 26 minutes. That's not so bad. They really do have a, there's a very distinct similarity between all these.
This wasn't a weekly show? I think it was later. But in these early days, no, well, I mean, they, that would be quite a production to put that on. That's true. I was like, so yeah, I guess as the, as the <laughs> music plays us out, I'd say that was a huge improvement from the fucking nonsense we've been watching it's so far. It's incredible how far they have come in, well, from 1949, 1948-50 to 1953. Yeah, that was like a, a real show, yeah. like a real Production sitcom. Production is, is really well done. <laughs> I can just try. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's a, a good sign, for instance, that like the, the download we were watching, something went wrong with it, and I went and dug up the... Uh, the YouTube version just to make sure we didn't miss it because I actually wanted to see how the scene ended like I actually <laughs> yeah where those other shows kind of felt like homework like yeah, I'm just watching them to watch old TV to get a sense of it where that one is like I'd watch that again I'd watch more episodes <laughs> of that show um, it's also in from the ad viewpoint the ads are now separate ads they're not incorporated into the show there was the one fellow that did come out but that was during the intermission the break where between the show where he started smoking but it's not the it's not like those other shows, the earlier shows, where the ads were part of the show itself. Now we're starting to see it separate. Yeah. The show ends, there is a separate ad for it. The show starts again. But it is still entirely one product in this case. Yeah. Lucky strike. Still one but we didn't see in that in that show, we didn't see Jack Benny lighten up and talking about Lucky Strike. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's not incorporated into the show <laughs> yeah. that way. Like a little separation of church and state here. Just like, yeah, you can't be quite as... But it's still so... I'm not going to harp on the cigarette ads again, but it's just, it is so creepy. Of like, do you know a smoker for Christmas? Well, this is the greatest thing you could get them. But that's how it was in those days. Drink and smoke were like, hey, that was just part of life. If you thought there was anything wrong with it, you were probably something weird about you. Yeah. The other thing is the change of scenery in this thing. The ones we had been watching before were one stage. This changed scenes... Yeah, it was like a... Oh, God, four or five times. Well, it's, I think it was interesting that Seinfeld came up just about people that stopped their shows earlier, because that's what this reminded me of. Like, it's essentially the same as Seinfeld. It's just, here's different sets, here's laughing audience people. Like, it's it's just an older version of Seinfeld. And it even... Because you were saying about how, you know, his, he's famous for his, like, thrifty, grifty character. And, like, yeah, right away, he's, like, grifting his way into a free haircut. <laughs> and, like, the first joke of the show was, like, 
he convinces this barber to not charge him for a haircut. And the guy's like, oh, very good, Mr. Benny. Like, oh, you recognize me. I do now. <laughs> like, he's so cheap that it's like, oh, that's this guy. He invites himself over to the girl's house and invites himself to dinner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, well, what it also made me think of in that vein of Seinfeld is that show after Seinfeld, uh, Larry David's show. What was that called? Curb Your Enthusiasm. You ever seen that show? Uh, yeah. This reminded me of that a lot, where Jack Benny is just everyone hates him every fucking other character hated him but he's just like forcing his way into a situation to try to steal a film role from vincent price and he's just shameless about it like he thinks he knows what's right and he just does it and that's so similar to what larry david did later and seinfeld with george and that whole thing it's like it's interesting to see these templates go way back um the thing about benny though is a lot of it was that facial stuff like there are at least three times in that maybe four three times where he actually doesn't talk he just looks at the camera he has this expression on his face but there's no interaction nobody else is talking to him or cutting him off or anything he just has that look and everybody laughs and we laugh too so it was very funny yeah i'm definitely going to dig up some of the radio stuff because i'm curious because i'm sure it's probably a similar vein but I wonder, like, yes, so much of it was visual. Like, he looked at the camera all the time. How would those pregnant pauses work on the radio? It's probably still funny, but it seems like it's made for TV more. But he was also in the movies a lot. So if you were familiar with him in the movies, and then you heard him on the radio, and he gave those pauses like that. Oh, you you know what you, he's you doing. You know, even though without actually seeing the face physically, you would know what he was doing, and you'd probably laugh. So that's how that's how well known he was. Yeah, and it's nice too where this really doesn't in a weird way it doesn't feel dated. Like the jokes are I'd say the only difference between a modern joke and these Jack Benny jokes is like we're just looser with swearing and stuff nowadays, but as far as the structure of the joke and the idea of just this guy who is just just a, a cad, you know? Like that would that still flies. Like it's the opposite of like Ed Wynn where it's not well-constructed he's just stumbling around doing everything in one take making up stuff and it's just not funny where this i feel like is it's a well like again i keep thinking of seinfeld like the way those scripts were designed so that everything comes together this was essentially that yes but but when you compare it to the win stories those skits you have to remember that Wynn was producing it as if he was on stage and he was acting to a theater audience so he would have to project to the guy in the back row kind of thing this was much more like tv today with the sitcom stories uh camera comes up close to you your acting doesn't have to be like over the top you can do a whole lot of gestures facial movements that kind of stuff and get away with it uh because things have changed so dramatically in the five years since the wind show the wind show was very stationary they had like maybe two cameras that's it. These guys got a whole lot of cameras. They've got scene changes. It's amazing how much it has changed in that little bit. Yeah, they even had like the weird little pseudo special effect where it, the basically the plot of this episode was just this director guy that Jack Benny knows is making a movie with Vincent Price in it. And 
Jack Benny's like, fuck Vincent Price, I'm going to be in this movie. And he's just constantly trying to force his way in. And he's so brazen about it. And like this director just can't even believe that how much Jack Benny's inserting himself that he just falls off his chair. <laughs> and it was like a little stop motion animation thing almost. And what that made me think of, and I bet it is related, is that cartoon Family Guy. Family Guy, it's like the other Simpsons. It's, you know, big fat guy mm. comedy. You know, it's, it's all right. It's not a bad show. But they reference old stuff all the time in Family Guy. And one of their things is people just falling down way too fast. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I wonder if that's some kind of a Jack Benny or just old TV in general reference. Because it really felt like the Family Guy joke. So that's kind of neat just to see these through lines and connections. Yeah. And it worked, though. I mean, when that yeah. chair collapsed, yeah. it completely threw me. I wasn't expecting that at all. And then when the chair fell by itself after the director was out of the chair, same thing. It was like <laughs> totally unexpected. Yeah, that's, uh, again, it's like night and day, too, of just the difference between jokes that are actually funny. And, you know, the Ed Sullivan and Ed Wynn jokes that it's like, okay, I recognize that you're trying to tell a joke, but it's not funny. Where, yeah, like I was saying with this show, it's like, yeah, I'd watch another one of those. Like, why not? It's pretty funny. But it is interesting, too, to think that, you know, when you were saying how he's famous, his character is the famously, I don't know what's the word for it, thrifty, (laughs) penny pinching or whatever. And just that that happened within like 20 seconds of the show starting. It's like, did he really just do this gag? for 35 years (laughs) like maybe he did i don't think it's coincidence that we just happened to pick the episode that's all about i think i think it's something that he played all along and that and audiences were very familiar with that stuff yeah he's very much like uh his mode of acting is very much like bob hope i don't know if you're really familiar with bob hope but he's a little bit more so than jack benny but he's bob hope to a t right in fact i think he acted opposite bob hope in a couple of things you know, these guys are fellows that used to go over overseas when troops were, well, in World War II is when Bob Hope started. Maybe Jack Benny did, too. But they'd go over and entertain the troops. And, like, I know Bob Hope did it right up until, oh, he was doing it when the Vietnam War was on. Gee, I think he was still doing it when the Gulf War was going on. But you can see in the, the manner in which they act, they are... They're the comic foil to all these serious actors who take uh, life seriously, and they're the foils. And uh, yeah, he very much. He's he's very similar to Bob Hope. If you get to see anything, Bob Hope also had a TV show. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get around to him. Yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you, you'll be amazed at how similar they are, and then you move further into the future, and you get Carol Burnett. Right. Carol Burnett is Jack Benny and Bob Hope. Yeah, and in a say, form. with this Jack Benny show, too, I mean, it was nice to see Vincent Price because he's a guy I actually know. You know, he was the guy who made Edward Scissorhands scissors and, uh, you know, is obviously in the Michael Jackson thriller video. So my generation knows him when he was older. So it was neat to see him younger. And yeah, talk about the straight man versus Jack Benny. Like, you can't get a straighter straight man than <laughs> six foot four Vincent Price with his, his serious voice. You know? <laughs> One thing, too, with Jack Benny, he has a way better... TV presence? natural yeah TV yeah. presence because yeah like Ed Sullivan was like a freaking mortician and Ed Wynn was the Mad Hatter like you know but Ed Sullivan is different again because he was just the host that's it he's not supposed to be interacting and having a whole lot of comic reverie which Jack Benny 
does. Right. He, he's he's the star of the show, whereas uh, Ed Sullivan is the host. Maybe I guess yeah. Maybe that's I might be being a little too hard on Ed Sullivan and Ed Wynn because maybe the real thing here is just that as a format, like as a TV show, sitcoms are just more fun to watch than variety shows. <laughs> I just I don't like variety shows. I do like sitcoms. So. That probably is a big reason why I like this better. Well, and I, was, I wasn't I was expecting to see an actual whole half-hour show based on one storyline. I was expecting, you know, two or three skits maybe throughout, the same way that we saw with Ed Wynn. But no, this was, a, this was an actual sitcom. Yeah, and the ads themselves were not that long. I, we didn't time the ads, but you might be... 15 seconds? The first one. The first one was pretty in-depth because they're literally showing the factory making Lucky Strike fucking is like that. Oh, yes, and testing (laughs) testing the the, uh, water density in them. And they had that machine come down with the big points on it. Like, quite interesting, actually. It it was like one of those old, uh, you see those, like, old school film reels where they show like industrial movies of how things work like yeah they started off pretty heavy with the cigarette stuff and then after that yeah it wasn't as bad it wasn't like a chorus line singing a goddamn song about (laughs) cigarettes oh but there under your christmas tree was that beautiful package with the with the big christmas tree on it and the cigarettes and if you looked at that ad under the christmas tree there was the nice big package but in the background was another one it was kind of off, turned to the side. So good advertising gimmick. Almost makes you want to go out and have a cigarette. Yeah. Man, <laughs> cigarettes really is, it is such a creepy thing where I guess I'm just glad that I'm not more addictable or whatever. Because, like, I don't know, you got any cigarettes as a kid stories? Because I only got one, but it's just that that kid, Adam, who used to live up on McLaren, when we were in, like, fifth grade, he's like, I got cigarettes, let's try them. And we were sitting by the train tracks when those were still here, and I did, like, one little puff, and I was like, gross. And that was it. That's the extent of my smoking history. But everybody had that moment, and some people just kept smoking. Yeah, some people just kept smoking. I tried smoking a couple of times my, when I probably first time when I was probably about eleven or twelve, and this girl stole a pack of cigarettes from her father's desk, and we went down to the dam in Marysville, and she was she was gung ho to smoke. She's dead now. I wonder if smoking killed her. <laughs> Certainly didn't help. <laughs> uh, but it didn't do a thing for me. And then a couple of years later... I, I shouldn't laugh, but that's just so creepy. To <laughs> I know. Well, you wonder, though. Right. You know, cause she thought they were fine, but I was coughing my head off. A couple of years later, you know, I was out with people, and they were smoking. Oh, have a puff. Have a puff. It was real pressure, you know. Oh, you gotta have a smoke. You gotta have a smoke. So you try it. And <laughs> same thing. And it's never caught. And, you know, I try it every once in a while. Uh, because that peer pressure was out there, but it, it never caught. But I am glad that we're not in the world where they encourage this shit. You know, at least nowadays with smoking, they're like, hey, man, you're going to get gum cancer. Don't do this. Where back then, yeah, they're like, just buy it for Christmas. It's the best. But you have to remember, too, that the uh, tobacco industry was promoting that. They're a pretty big operation. Yeah. And when it took a long time for uh, cigarettes to be kind of frowned upon. It was like well into the 1970s, 19, I, I would even say into the 1980s before it started becoming a big health issue. Up to that, I mean, you can look at magazines from the 70s, I would say even into the early 1980s where you got these sexy girls smoking camel cigarettes or Virginia Slims and you got the big handsome cowboy type and he's got the cigarettes in his back pocket and the one in his mouth and he's heading off into the 
they were in magazines all over the place. Oh, well, that's the thing cool. that's a, a weird throwback, too. When I was in Japan last year, is like they're starting to move away from smoking a little, but a lot of things about Japan feel like the 50s. Like, they're just, there's a lot of weird throwbacky stuff. Women are always wearing dresses and high heels, and guys smoke all the time, and it just feels kind of old school. So, like, if you go to the mall, there's like a, a room that they've made for, like, here's the room you go to to smoke. But the whole hallway on the way to that room smells like smoking. And it's just that that smell of just smoke is around, that you never smell Isn't that, that anymore. interesting? Because here are people who've been wearing masks in Japan right. and have no issue with it. It was not like us with, oh, my God, we've got to wear a mask. They've been very comfortable with it for a long time, and yet they have smoking rooms. Yeah. Yeah, we'll even figure. Just, uh, <laughs> there's like a, a coffee shop that's basically their version of like the second cup or whatever. It was called Tully's that I would always go meet Brad at this one Tully's. And yeah, it had the smoking room, but, you know, the doors always opening and closing for the smokers. So the whole place just smelled like smoke. And yeah, it's just it was neat because it really did take me back to being a kid in the 80s. of like, oh, yeah, I know that smell of just the place where people smoke. But that is fucking gone now. You can't mm -hmm. smoke indoors anywhere. Which is a good thing, but what's interesting about these old shows is to, you, well, you know, you saw people smoke in movies and it was a, an acceptable way of life, but to actually see the ads that were so prominent, because now we've seen three weeks and every one of them has, no, there was one that was car. The car was the, the main advertisement, but most of them it's the cigarette it's it's very prominent, very powerful. Yeah, well, I think, too, like that list at the start of the episode where I went through Jack Benny's different programs, I don't think it's coincidence that he worked his way up from grape nuts and jello to smoking. When you get the smoking show, you fucking made it. Yeah, that's top of the that's hill. That's right. You're a, you're, you're a king now. You can yeah. now be a star on TV because you move from radio because now you're a smoke promoter. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, there we go. That's a definite, definite uptick. In well, that was that was an excellent show. I enjoyed that immensely. Now it is 1953. I bet if you did a little study, like how many people in the United States had televisions, I bet there were tons of them. Yeah. Maybe millions of them had it. Whereas in 1948, very few people would have had TV. It was very, very expensive. It was just after World War II. A lot of people didn't have money to burn. So those the shows that were being produced would reflect the fact that there was very limited advertising, and there was nobody to watch them anyway because nobody had TV. Yeah. People still went to the movies. But by 1953, the first I, I think the first televisions in the States were becoming really big about 1951, 52. So by 1953, there were probably all kinds of people who had television. I know we got our first television, and we're in Canada, and Canada would have been way behind the States. I think uh, 1955, maybe? And it was just this little small TV. <laughs> it, was, it was cream and red. And yeah, like, uh, I guess, too, it's like by the time the... East Coast Canadian family with 12 kids gets a TV. At that point, basically everyone has a TV, right? <laughs> like you're probably no, toward the... No, actually not. We were one of the first people that had it. Oh, I really? can remember my mother having a big scene about it. Like, you know, because I remember when that TV arrived in our living room and neighbors came around and watched. Probably it was that my father decided he was going to go take the money that we probably didn't have. Well, he was in the army then, so he probably did have some money. But he was going to take that money and he was going to buy what he wanted. 
And so he did. And I remember neighbors coming into our living room and looking at that little box. And I remember the test pattern on it. And I don't remember anything that was on. Maybe it was this, I don't know. I don't remember. But I remember these men from the neighborhood sitting in our living room watching that TV. And it had just arrived. So we were probably one of the few people we lived in army houses uh, up on Beckwith Street. Um, we were probably one of the few people at that time that had TV, but it wouldn't have taken any time at all. For People would have got them for Christmas and birthdays and yeah. that sort of thing. Seems like a good purchase to me. I mean, I don't know how expensive a TV was back then, but especially at the house of 12 kids, like, yeah, let's just get a TV, <laughs> put a TV mm. in here and get everyone and to ours shut was up. was a little portable one, and the ones that came out later, because I remember going to people's houses shortly after that, and they had big floor models that were in the beautiful wooden cabinets and the big screens, fairly good-sized screens. Where, But ours was just a small little... Well, your typical little portable TV, probably a little 12-inch screen. (laughs) Don't you wish you could just sort of time travel back just to be like a fly on the wall, like when your dad bought that TV? Because I bet it was like some salesman guy, like, oh, you're going to love it, sir, you know, (laughs) whatever. And then when he brought it home, I can just imagine my mother saying, we've got to use that money for a new washing machine or a new this or a new vacuum cleaner or something. And you had to go buy that, Earn. Well. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's just like, it's hard to, it's TV, man. It's great. (laughs) So that was, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 1955. I think that was the year my father, his toe got cut off with a lawnmower. So, hey, that was great too then, because, you know, he had to be at home and he was laid up. So there was the TV. Hey, perfect. She should have been happy about that. (laughs) Whether she was or not, I don't know. All right, well, there's Jack Benny. Definite thumbs up. We're on the upswing for sure. Uh, Yep, it was an excellent show. I loved it. (laughs) Tune in. Tune in next week where we'll watch, we don't even know, who knows, some other old TV show. Well, that was a pleasant (laughs) surprise. (laughs) Yeah, not bad at all.